everyone, and welcome to Genocide News Now, a news update from the Anti-Genocide Coffee Break, a multinational podcast. I am your host, Lexi Poston, and you can find us at www.lincolninstitute.com, as well as on Patreon, Spotify, and iTunes. First of all, the Lincoln Institute wishes all of our listeners a wonderful new year. May it be rich in joy and peace. The Lumpkin Institute team will continue to strive to ensure that 2023 is filled with the promise of a brighter and more peaceful tomorrow for genocide survivors and threatened communities around the world. Now let's move on to the news. All of the news and action items mentioned in the podcast today are available on our website. Our first news story covers the pending case at the United States Supreme Court, Holland v. Brackeen, which has been brought forward by the states of Texas, Louisiana, and Indiana by individual plaintiffs who are seeking to have the 1978 Indian Child Welfare Act deemed unconstitutional, arguing that the bill provides an unfair race preference in favor of indigenous adoptive families over non-indigenous adoptive families. What these claims of unconstitutionality fail to take into consideration is the long genocidal history of the removal of indigenous children from their tribes and communities that has resulted in the breaking up of indigenous families and the loss of indigenous cultures. The Indian Child Welfare Act was signed into law in 1978 by then-President Jimmy Carter because of the disproportionately high rate of forced removal of indigenous children from their homes. Prior to the enactment of the Indian Child Welfare Act, statistics showed that close to 35% of indigenous children were being removed from their families and then placed in non-indigenous households. In several cases, the Bureau of Indian Affairs paid states to have indigenous children removed and transferred to non-indigenous families and to religious organizations, such as residential schools. Thus, the Indian Child Welfare Act aimed to protect the well-being and best interests of indigenous children and families in the United States. Even with the Indian Child Welfare Act as a law, indigenous children are still removed at disproportionately higher rates than non-indigenous children in the United States. And indigenous communities and families are still facing the reality that their families may still be broken apart with the removal of their children. If the Indian Child Welfare Act is overturned, then there will be even fewer protections for indigenous families and children in the United States. And the long-standing genocidal structure of enforced child removal will be further strengthened, directly and indirectly threatening indigenous communities, lives, and cultures in the United States. Next, we move on to Brazil, where the most recent presidential election has elected former Brazilian President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva back into the presidency. During his campaign, da Silva boldly promised to recognize and stop illegal mining on indigenous lands, to rebuild the National Indian Foundation, and to create a Ministry of Indigenous Affairs which would be dedicated to indigenous needs and rights. Da Silva's election brought hope for Brazil's indigenous population, which was strengthened by his reiteration of his campaign promises on indigenous rights at the COP27 climate talks in November. 
Following the Silva's inauguration this month, the first Minister of Indigenous Affairs has been established and welcomed by Indigenous activists in Brazil. The Lumpkin Institute welcomes this move as a very positive step forward in the protection of Indigenous rights and Indigenous life against powerful economic and political interests in Brazil and globally. Next, we move to Armenia, where on December 12th and 13th of 2022, the fourth global forum against the crime of genocide was hosted in Yerevan. This year's forum was dedicated to the issue of genocide prevention in the age of new technologies. Scholars, policymakers, and educators from around the world attended the forum, including the Lemkin Institute for Genocide Prevention's co-founder and co-president, Dr. Elisa von Yodin-Forgi, who was asked to open the forum and moderate the high-level panel. She underscored the central role that the Armenian Foreign Ministry has played in platforming genocide prevention as a global priority and praised the universal way in which Armenians have sought to commemorate the 1950 genocide alongside and in solidarity with threatened peoples around the world. While the global forum was underway, Azerbaijan initiated a blockade of the Lachin Corridor, the only road connecting Armenians to the region of Artsakh with the Republic of Armenia. Today marks the 42nd day of the blockade, which has deprived 120,000 people, including over 30,000 children, from basic needs. In addition to blocking the free flow of goods and people in and out of the enclave, Azerbaijan has additionally cut the gas and electricity supply. The enclave is running out of necessary medicines, including insulin, and can no longer provide infants with baby formula. Artsakh has been an ethnically Armenian region of the South Caucasus for thousands of years and has been continuously inhabited by a majority of Armenian people. It came under Azerbaijani control during the period just after the 1950 genocide, when it was given to Azerbaijan by the Soviet Union as a way to appease Turkey. Armenians in Artsakh have repeatedly demonstrated their desire for self-determination since the end of World War I. The Lincoln Institute, along with several other early NGOs, has condemned the blockade and believes that it constitutes a genocidal threat to the very specific cultural community of Artsakh Armenians. The international community, and particularly the Western powers, have remained silent on these ongoing threats. The last piece of news takes us to Iran, where the country has recently executed Ali Reza Akbari, an Iranian-British citizen and former Iranian Minister of Defense, for allegedly spying for the United Kingdom during the ongoing protests that erupted following the death of an Iranian-Kurdish woman, Masa Amini, in police custody. Akbari's execution is one of several executions that have followed the Iranian parliament's vote in favor of executing arrested protesters. These executions demonstrate the very real threat that other protesters will be executed as well. Activists have also reported further violent crackdowns on protesters by Iranian forces, resulting in the deaths of dozens of protesters. The current situation in Iran bears striking similarities to the 1988 massacre of political prisoners when Ayatollah Khomeini ordered the mass execution of up to 30,000 political prisoners in Iranian jails. The 1988 massacre is now considered a crime against humanity 
and an argument can be made that the massacre even constitutes genocide. Other responses from the Iranian government to the recent protests includes limiting Internet access, censoring the press, arresting journalists, torturing arrested protesters, and threatening and intimidating the families of activists speaking out against the Iranian regime, all constituting gross violations of human rights. Finally, before ending this episode, I would like to draw your attention to our 2022 Year in Review report, which we published on December 31st, 2022. The Lumpkin Institute issues this Year in Review report at the end of each year to reflect on the developments of the past year that in some way are related to genocide. The purpose of this overview is to increase awareness of the risk of genocide in different parts of the world and to show how certain events that are routinely viewed as human rights violations can contribute to the processes that ultimately culminate in genocide. This year, we focused on events that took place in countries such as Ukraine, Azerbaijan, Turkey, Iran, Yemen, and many more. In total, there are 23 news synopses written from a genocide prevention perspective. These reports can be found on our website at www.limkininstitute.com. That is all we have for this episode of Genocide News Now, but be sure to tune in to future episodes and stay up to date on global news. Be sure to visit our website at www.limkininstitute.com for more on our work in the field of genocide prevention. And if you would like to take action and make an individual difference, feel free to look at our list of resources on our Take Action page of our website. As always, stay healthy, stay safe, and thank you for listening.